Hello, everyone. Welcome into the fourth and gold podcast right here at Beyond the Big Ten. You can follow us at Beyond the Big Ten. My name is Joey Christopoulos. We're here talking Minnesota Gophers football. Let's bring in our co-host, the man, the one, the only, CBS Network's very own former NFL player, former Minnesota Gophers standout, Brock Vereen. Hello, Brock. How are you, man? Never better, my friend. I am ready to get back to some Gopher football. And after this crazy week in college football, crazy week in the Big Ten, we need we need some uh, some Gopher action to get back into the mix. I missed it. I hope everyone listening to this show is uh, fresh, feeling rejuvenated. Uh, Gophers are going to get back to the field uh, this weekend. We are going to uh, drill into our keys to a game to hopefully come up with a victory against number 24-ranked Iowa. But first, Brock, we want to start the podcast and the episode – Talking about college football in general, we're going to drill into a little bit of some Big Ten news because um, stuff's getting real uh, around the entire college football landscape. So uh, I'm going to keep it broad. I'm going to open up with you. Over this weekend, a lot of storylines. But for you, Brock, what was the biggest storyline from this weekend in college uh, college football? It was from our our future Big Ten brothers in Oregon and Washington. And – analytics have made their way to college football people and it is the worst thing that could have possibly happened credit to dan lanning he owned it but for the kicker for oregon to take any kind of heat for losing that game that game is on dan lanning three different fourth downs two inside the 10 over three on all of them and then the last one is the most egregious minutes left in the game at the halfway point, I think they're on like the 48-yard line or something like that. Go for it. They don't get it. Washington scores in two plays, and then Oregon, of course, has to drive down. And, yeah, they had a chance to kick that field goal, but, no, that game is not on that kicker. That is on Dan Lanning, a a, a madman with analytics, and we'll see if it bites Oregon in the butt in a college football playoff chance going forward. USC finally looked like the team that, not that we knew they were, but we knew that they were going to be at some point this season. It was kind of, okay, this defense isn't good, but who's going to expose that? And all it took was Caleb Williams not looking like Superman. Yes, it was a terrible game, but you know what? They've lost three games by now if he doesn't carry that team to every single win, maybe except for week one. So while, yeah, maybe his back-to-back Heisman odds aren't great, I, I, I don't blame Caleb Williams. You're not even on that stage without Caleb Williams. He has to be better. But the thing about the Pac-12 is it'll cannibalize itself, and if they can get back on track, <laughs> if that defense can figure out itself, I, I know there, there's so much to fix. But the season's not over for them just yet. And lastly, the ACC, who... Look, the Big Ten is going to look different next year. The SEC will look different. That's kind of the big talking points. What's kind of hidden is um, with Cal and Stanford joining, it may not be as big of a buzz, but ACC football is chaotic this year, man. It's fun with with Louisville getting upset by one win pit. The ACC is wide open. It'll be Florida State versus – it it probably won't be Miami the way that they're playing late down the stretch. They keep fumbling games, but – Louisville's technically in it. Miami's technically still in it. And, of course, North Carolina is technically still in it. So, ACC football, if you feel like watching those those 9 a.m. Pacific kickoffs, uh, feel free to tune in for some, for some ACC football. Um, it, it, is, it is a great time to be a fan of college football because this thing is a toss-up. Even Georgia, number one Georgia, Brock Bowers is hurt. And anyone who knows them knows that's the heart and soul of that team. So, I could, you could have a dartboard of a thousand teams, throw four four darts. That's who's going to be in the uh, CFP come come season's end. 
What's so exciting is is about this college football season right now is we've we're not in quite the meat of it, but we've walked into the tent. We've walked into the meat tent of college football at this point. Cupcake September is over. It's time to have the entree. Um, and we're starting to see some matchups, especially over the next couple of weeks, that are really intriguing and are going to make some huge uh, strides as we navigate through the landscape of college football. Just to rope back around to the Pac-12 um, with Caleb Williams. Um, I, I think he's a lightning rod. I think, obviously, he's going to be the number one pick. Everyone thinks in next year's NFL draft. Um, what you're seeing on Twitter right now on social media seems to uh, land into two camps. So I want to get your perspective on this. Yeah. Um, I want you to get into his performance against Notre Dame from a decision-making standpoint and also your perspective from him where a lot of people say, well, now Caleb Williams is seeing, seeing real pressure for the first time from a defensive line, defensive front, and how he responded to that I think is uh, open to criticism right now. Um, what did you see and what was, what was your perspective drilling into that game? Great, great points, Joey. So what we saw was Caleb Williams rattled isn't the right word, he looked for the first time like he knew I have to win this game for us. That mm. has been the case this whole season, but he's never looked like it, right? He's always looked so cool, calm, and collected, knowing if I don't play well, we lose this game. But Notre Dame was the first time that he actually looked like, God, man, if I don't have a perfect game, we're not going to win. And it, it, it just seemed like it all fell on him. At one time, Marcus Freeman had a great game plan. It was, hey, try and get home with four. Oh, we can get home with four? Okay, everybody, just sit back and just wait for the magic to happen, and eventually he'll throw us a ball that we can get. Now, I, I do want to give credit to Notre Dame because Benji Morrison, who is just a sophomore, he he's number 20 out there. He's a cornerback. He's the guy who really shut down Marvin Harrison Jr. If he was eligible, he'd be the first cornerback in this draft. So he had a heck of a game. Mm. He got the best of Caleb Williams. But I, I don't want people to think that he didn't earn every single thing that he did. Right? It, it, it wasn't just Caleb Williams making mistakes. It's going up against the number one corner, even if he's just a sophomore. Um, so that, that needs to be said as well. But, yes, to sum it all up, it's, it's for the first time Caleb Williams looked like the backpack was on his shoulders. It's always there. He just hides it. And I'm curious what they look like next week because that schedule's not getting any easier and it's hard to come back from the 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 the, the in, invisible cloak is finally taken off. It's okay, this is the situation. Yeah. Everyone knows it. Now we have to deal with it. We can't just bury it under Caleb Williams heroics anymore. And also, Brock, how do you not get through a weekend uh, without talking about Coach Prime and Colorado? Everybody drink. Um, 29 to nothing lead in the first half. I was out with my wife. We were having a great time on a Friday night having a drink. I looked up at the score and said, well, I don't need to check back in. Um, but the second half was a completely different story. Um, you know, obviously, you know, hype doesn't live up to type, right? Uh, clearly, the defense is not exactly um, the unit that I think is ready for the national stage. Is that what you saw transpire in the second half of that game? And, um, you know, wh where are you on Colorado right now as a football program? Oh, boy. Well, I was the last person in America to find out that Colorado lost. It was, what, 29-0, so I went to bed. I woke up in the morning. I did Big Ten tailgate. <laughs> I got to the airport, and they were showing highlights at halftime of the Oregon-Washington game. That's when I found out that Colorado lost. I, 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 I kid you not. 
That is when I found out. It's tough, man. And now their bowl game is in jeopardy. I believe four of their final games are against ranked teams because of the way that the Pac-12 is just so strong this year. And look, when they won two games, they exceeded expectations. It's 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 hindsight's twenty twenty. But let's go back. People didn't think they'd win a football game this year, so they've already exceeded expectations. But when the cameras come out, when you have Shadur Sanders, who is still in the Heisman conversation. Everyone wants you to lose. You you go from the darling to public enemy number one really quickly. It's fun to bash them. They know it. They can take it. What I'll say is get your jokes in now because they are going to bring in every offensive lineman in America in that portal, and they're going to find every linebacker they can find in that portal. Colorado is right back in action next year. They're not even going to have to ask. They're not even going to have to recruit. Any offensive lineman who's buried on a depth chart right now, heck, there may even be starters who just aren't happy where they're at. They're going to Colorado. Colorado's O-line will be one of the best next year because they're going to find just the, the, the Avengers of free agent offensive linemen, and then they're going to be right back in action. So get your shots in while you can. God, that's such a fantastic point. And even on the defensive side of the ball, who wants to come yeah. in and be the captain? Who wants to come in Yeah, and, and be a part of that program? Uh, yeah, the future is bright, even though maybe there's still stumbling blocks. Uh, that are happening because now they fall, they've fallen to four and three. Um, I think final one before we move on to our keys to a Gophers victory against Iowa. Um, I just wanted to get your thought on, you know, in the Big Ten specifically. Uh, we got ourselves a matchup this weekend, uh, Penn State at Ohio State, unbeaten teams. Um, who's got the edge, Brock? Uh, where are you leaning right now in this particular matchup? Penn State, and if Ohio State doesn't get healthy, it's not going to be close. They're, uh, them being yeah. Ohio State is down Travion Henderson, their starting running back. Mayan Williams, their second string running back. They are down Emeka Ibuka, their second receiver, who really has been wide receiver one in scenarios where the defense says, okay, we're taking Marvin Harrison Jr. out of the game. right? So Ohio State is going to have to rely on some inexperienced vets. They're going to have to rely on some really young freshmen. And Penn State is just loaded with talent across the board they're not an old team but they're very experienced they have guys who have played since they were true freshmen so even if they're sophomores i mean guys like abdul carter nick singleton cage run out they've seen a lot of football if ohio mm -hmm. state doesn't get at least two of those three guys back again it's penn state and it's a two possession win that's the toughest part i think for ohio state is i mean let's be honest and let's be transparent i mean the weapons across the board and you talk about the injuries on that team kyle mccord um, has played well enough. I mean, they're undefeated. You can't take that off the board for them. But still, there's a lot of growth there with Kyle McCord. And if you're asking him, is he going to be the guy to carry the day for Ohio State against that Penn State defense? Um, I also don't quite see it, right? I, I, I just don't think that it's something that – I think that we're, that's where Penn State gets the decided edge in me, uh, for me personally. And lastly, defensive coordinator Manny Diaz, who dials up the most exotic looks that college football is seeing this year because he trusts his guys up front to get home and he trusts his DBs. Who are so, I, There are so many corners on that team. Hey, do I have help on this play? No, it doesn't matter. My guy's not getting the ball. Like, it's, it's, it's going to be the biggest mental test that Kyle McCord has ever faced. And if those offensive linemen can't figure out that blitz, it's going to be the biggest physical test too because there's a lot of white helmets that are going to be dead center in his <laughs> chest if he doesn't get rid of that ball in 1.7 seconds. Real quick, just to jump in here really fast, um, when we're talking about these two teams, uh, specifically Penn State and Ohio State, um, in your opinion right now, 
um, take the positions out. Just look at pure player. Look at pure talent. Uh, look at pure production this season. Who is the best player in the Big Ten right now? It's Marvin Harrison Jr. and he just got that crown. He 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 just got it. Mm. Um, he was balling out against non-power five teams, but these last two weeks he's he's looking like the guy who we thought we were going to see week one. And it took a minute. And you know what? The quarterback issues are a huge part of that. But after these two weeks against Maryland, who has NFL talent in that DB room, against Purdue, who may not have NFL talent, but they have all Big Ten talent, and they have experienced talent, and he just looks unguardable. Marvin Harrison Jr., top three pick without question. Um, But to to give you a defensive one that people may not be aware of, I'll go Hunter Wohler from Wisconsin. He's their safety. I know he's not in, in the Penn State, Ohio State game, of course. But defensively, Hunter Waller from Wisconsin is picking up right where John Torchio left off and just being that guy who can play linebacker, he can play safety. He really doesn't have a position. He just does everything. Um, so Marvin Harrison Jr. offensively, Hunter Waller defensively. Yeah, the highlights are matching the play for sure and the potential and also the quality uh, of Marvin Harrison in Ohio State. Uh, I completely agree with you. Um, so let's roll it over. Uh, let's move it on over to uh, – let's take it to Minnesota here. Uh, the Gophers are coming off a of bye week. Um, they now have a tilt against the number 24 Iowa team. Um, you know, look, as we're recording this right now, um, as we mentioned on our previous episode, uh, we're not 100% sure on the availability of some really key pieces for this Minnesota Gophers team right now. But as when we talk about Iowa football, uh, they're coming off a 15-6 to win. Um, they're back to that old school um, Iowa style of football. Um, you know, just to read a couple of stats right now, you know, Iowa has only allowed 10 touchdowns all season, uh, 14.86 points per game right now, 3.6 yards per carry, 4.89 yards per attempt on passes. That's six bets in the Big Ten right now. So, so Brock, let's open it up right now. If the Gophers are going to get a victory, what is your first major key to that path to get a win against Iowa? Remove the tape because in this game, historically it doesn't matter what iowa looks like on tape they're going to be better in person there there were so many mm. times when we would play iowa actually you know I, I would argue historically and I, I would love someone more ambitious than i to go look up at who's favored and who ends up winning the game every time i beat iowa they were supposed to smoke us every time they beat us we were supposed to win and i specifically remember my junior year i'm sorry my senior year Watching this team, they were coming to Minneapolis. I was like, this team is not good, man. We got them dialed up. We're balling. It, it's going to be fine. We're handling business. We're, 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 we gave back the pig my junior year. I was upset. I won it all four years. I was like, we're getting this pig back, going out with a bang. They came out and whooped us. And it, it, it has nothing. Remove stats, remove logic. The Iowa-Minnesota game is a funky one. It always ends weird. There's always, I mean, last year, Mo Ibrahim the most dynamic running back you could argue in the history of Minnesota. He has the stats to back it up. Fumbles. When does he ever fumble? He, he, he never makes a mistake, and he fumbles the ball. Like stuff stuff mm. like that uh, a, a couple years ago, the 2019 year. Uh, f- random penalties at the end of the game. P.J. Fleck ran on the field. Like, like weird things happen in these games. So throw out everything that you expect to happen. That being said, it comes down to health because – defensively this should be a fine game for minnesota they've been giving up so many plays in the air but i was not interested in throwing the football they can't throw the football they're 
They, they can't throw to their wide receivers. Both of their starting tight ends are out, tight end one and tight end two. They're not going to throw the ball, so they can just sell out on stopping the run. So it comes down to Cody Lindenberg and if he's going to be back. Ryan Seelig, the Western Michigan tra transfer, he needs to have a big day. Mavic Baranowski, if he's healthy because he got banged up against Michigan, he has to have a big day. And if Cody Lindenberg can come back, they have to have a big day. This is the biggest test for the linebackers because you cannot give up a play. Iowa's defense is going to force a turnover. That's just what they do. It, 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 it has nothing to do with... Ethan Kaliak Manis. It has nothing to do with the Minnesota running backs. They find ways to get the ball out. It's what they're good at. They're going to force a turnover or two. This defense cannot give up anything big. So linebacker health, making sure that if there is a drive, it's three points and not seven, and that it doesn't take up too much time off of the clock. And offensively, we will say 200 yards rushing. Iowa usually doesn't give that up but you got to find a way to get it if you want to win this game. Brock, that's incredibly well said. And uh, from that perspective, I want to drill in a little bit deeper and ask you one more question. So uh, this is hard, right? Because you'd like to have both. Uh, but I am going to ask you if you had one way or the other that you think gives, you know, the Gophers the best chance to come out with a victory this weekend. You know, I I'm looking at this running game, right? You know, when you talk about uh, Iowa, Kay McNamara, he's out for this. Uh, McNamara, he's out for the season. Uh, you got Deacon Hill behind there. You've got uh, you got LeSean Williams with 174 rushing yards last week, uh, 248 over his last two games. But if you look at it, you know, in terms of running the in terms of running the ball, Iowa is ninth. Minnesota is tenth. So on one side of the ball, you've got Iowa. You've got linebacker Jay Higgins, who I think is leading the Big Ten in tackles right now with 87. Um, they ran the ball 48 times last week for 200 yards. You know that what's, that's what Minnesota is going to want to do. So my question for you is if you had to pick what is going to be the bigger key to a victory, uh, Minnesota being able to run the ball on Iowa or Minnesota being able to stop the run um, from Iowa's rushing attack? Minnesota being able to stop the run. I would say that when, you, when, when your strength is the same as the other team's strength, right, Minnesota likes to run the football, and they do it better than they pass the ball. Iowa runs the ball better than they pass the ball. It's who can stop the other because that, that's what it's going to come down to. This game could be over in two hours. I, I, I don't know how much either team really wants to throw the football. You do not want to throw the football with Cooper DeGene back there. He's a pick-six machine. Like don't, don't throw the football if you don't have to. I feel like the growth of Ethan Kalik Manis, like we've said in previous episodes, has been stunted. This is not the game to ask him to go out there and mature. It, it, it's 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 not the game even after a bye week. So stopping whoever's run defense performs better, that is the team that wins the game. Yeah, and when you mentioned previously that Iowa is a, uh, a turnover hornet's nest, uh, if mm. you will, it's going to come down to ball possession, executing, protecting the football, um, those little fundamentals. And to be honest, that's how <laughs> Iowa wants to play it. So you got to beat them at their own game, right, Brock? They wouldn't want it any other way. This is going to be an ugly game. They want they they would want pouring rain, no one in the stands, <laughs> old school one bar face mask, not even shoulder pads, pre pre shoulder pad days. Like like they they want the sloppiest game imaginable. They want the slowest game imaginable. That is Iowa football. And if you let Iowa get their way, 
they're going to win out and go to the Big Ten Championship. So for the love of God, someone in the West, take this team out so we do not have to see Iowa in the Big Ten Championship because right now I promise you that's what's on their mind. Uh, you know, it's the holidays. Uh, you just want to watch a good football game, and it's 6-3 to three in the fourth quarter. Um, nothing like it. Um, pour, pour, me, pour me one more and let's finish the rest of this <laughs> Iowa game. Um, uh, final, final one for you, Brock, uh, before we get out of here on fourth and gold uh, here on Beyond the Big Ten. Uh, I'm going to back you into a corner, man. I want a final score prediction. Um, what, are you feeling, what are you feeling? Where are you leaning right now? And uh, can the Gophers pull it out? They can. Coming off a of bye week, they have to. If they want to go to a bowl game, this is, this is one of the more winnable games on paper. Of course, anything can happen. On paper, I will say this is this is gonna this is gonna be a hideous game. I'm letting you know now. Thirteen to nine, Minnesota. Thirteen and nine, and it's gonna be as ugly as it sounds. And one of the funniest things before we get out of here was the Wisconsin Iowa game, flipping back and forth between that and Washington Oregon was just. I mean, if, if, if I could bottle up that three and a half hours and sell it, that's what Saturdays are about, man. That is what Saturdays are about. I loved it. 13 to 9. Uh, if it's a baseball game, get your popcorn. Uh, if it's a football game, get your antacids out and get ready um, because that's what happens when you go into Iowa's house and play them. you got to play their style. Um, and honestly, uh, we'll see what happens with the health, but I, I really do think you know Minnesota has um, – the pieces to play that type of game and come out with a victory. So, so Brockman, I'm right there with you. And, and it would be so interesting to continue the chaos that is going on in, uh, in the big 10 uh, as we move forward. Uh, w- this was fourth and gold right here on beyond the big 10. Make sure you follow us at beyond the big 10. Um, even if you're listening right now and you say, Hey, maybe I'm not a Minnesota Gophers fan. We got plenty of other great shows covering all the college football teams all season long, bringing you great coverage um, and none better coverage than my man right here, former NFL player, former Minnesota Gopher standout, and CBS's very own Brock Vereen. Brock, man, uh, take us home on another great show, man. Great to see you. And uh, let's see. Fourth and gold. Go for it. Let's do it. 